I'm Charlotte Knapper with Knapper Ranch in Sisterdale, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen some big moves in the cattle market over the last couple of weeks. We've seen triple-digit moves to the upside and triple-digit moves to the downside in both live and feeder cattle futures. And on top of that, we hit a new high in the cash-fed cattle market for this year last week. We'll take a closer look at what's happening in the cattle market coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. What does the new long-range outlook from the National Weather Service tell us about the Texas High Plains drought? I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Evaluation of minerals and tax planning are two key elements for people to be aware of when preparing to sell farm or ranch property in Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. Staying cool in soaring temperatures is something every Texas farmer and rancher should think about. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cash-fed cattle market took a big jump over the past week to hit new highs for the year. Cash sales hit 150 on a live basis last week in the Northern Plains. Donna Hughes is a senior risk management consultant with Stonex in Abilene, Texas. She says there are several factors that are lifting the cattle market right now. We've seen cash trend higher um, as of late. Uh, we've, um, we're looking at uh, weights on, on live to be, uh, you know, lessening due to uh, heat stress. And, of course, recently uh, there's been talk of um, some cattle that have been lost up at uh, Kansas feedlots due to heat. And so, um, you know, when we have any of these things come into the market, um, you know, it, it tends to affect the, uh, the movement of the futures uh, contracts and, um, you know, uh, moves in, in other commodities outside markets and grains, of course, is going to, um, you know, affect, uh, affect livestock markets as well. Cattle futures are lagging the cash trade with about a $10 discount for now. The Texas wheat harvest continues to move forward with farmers trying to make the best of a very bad crop. But for wheat farmers like Braden McKinnis in northeast Texas, this has been a great year with very good yields. Probably over a four county average, I'd say probably 65. The stuff farther south was a little better. 
it was probably a little closer to 70. Our northern stuff, which is near the Cairns, in this area, we had a uh, infestation of Cachalan stink bugs right in the dough stage, which was a very rare event. We, we ended up having to spray a real late uh, insecticide application, and that kind of dinged our yields a little bit. Probably lost five bushel average. I mean, there are big spots out in the field that was 60, 70 bushel wheat that wasn't making 30 or 40, but at least it wasn't widespread, and we had a good good group of guys that helped us catch it and take care of it quick. But overall, I mean, it's we've we've had we've had a good year. McKenna's farms a lot of river bottom ground that floods often, so this spring's dry weather actually helped his crop. And speaking of wheat production, the latest crop production numbers released by USDA show that Texas wheat production is forecast to be 40.3 million bushels this year. That's down 46% from last year. Yield per acre is expected to average 31 bushels this year. That's down six bushels from 2021. Harvested acreage for wheat now stands at 1.3 million acres. That's down 35% from last year. What does the new long-range outlook from the National Weather Service tell us about the Texas High Plains drought? James Hunt takes a look from Amarillo. The National Weather Service has just updated its seasonal precipitation outlook, and I asked Mike Gittinger with the Weather Service's Amarillo office, how much hope is there that our region's drought will end soon? Well, not much. We've certainly seen some improvement in the late spring and early part of summer and part of the eastern Texas panhandle a little bit. But the outlook basically shows that the most likely outcome for the remainder of the summer is for below normal rainfall. So that's not good news. What would really help us, of course, would be getting beyond the back-to-back La Ninas we've been hit with over the past couple of years. But Gittinger says it's looking like the current La Nina weather pattern might be with us a while more. The outlooks as far as the ocean temperatures go, which is what really drives all this, is that it's going to be very slow transition, so we continue to try to creep back toward normal a little bit through the summer. But there's a little bit of thought that there's a potential that we actually, uh, what we were, we were saying, calling it triple dip, but go into a third episode of, of a week La Nina, possibly in the fall. That's not a given. The probabilities when you look at it, if you go into the fall for La Nina, they, they drop down as we get through the end of the summer, but then they actually increase back up to about 60% chance of seeing La Nina conditions in the fall. Gittinger says at the moment it appears the best hope we have is that the weather pattern will shift into a neutral phase in the next few months, as an El Nino developing sometime soon seems very unlikely. However, as Gittinger reminds us, weather forecasts are based on probability, not absolute certainty. So everybody's Keep their fingers crossed because I know the ranchers and farmers definitely need that rainfall. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The valuation of minerals and tax planning are two key things to be aware of when preparing to sell farm or ranch property in Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Tyler Jacobs of Holland Hall LLP. Tyler, talk about the evaluation of minerals on the ranch or farm property before placing the property for sale. Absolutely. You know, in most circumstances where there's not production on the farmer ranch that is producing owned minerals, what I advise clients to do is just to get a simple mineral run sheet done by an oil and gas land man, just to make sure that we know for a fact who owns what minerals and what 
portions. I've never been surprised to find out that the landowner actually owns less minerals than they think they do. That's more often the case than the other way around. So it's not much money, usually less than a thousand dollars. You can get a mineral run sheet done and you're dealing with facts, which always help negotiating position and removing contingencies that a buyer has to wrestle with. Tax planning, why is that important? Sad to say that there's a lot of sellers, they hadn't surrounded themselves with good advice. They've put their property on the market before they've considered the income tax consequences of that sale. They haven't planned ahead. Usually when that happens is about two days after they escrow the contract on the title company. And for a seller, it's very hard to get out of a contract. And you don't want to have to undo a sale because you didn't know about your tax consequences. Generally talking about about capital gains and estate taxes are the two things that you want to make sure you've gotten good advice from your CPA and your tax planner. That is Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall LLP in College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Summer officially starts this week, and Gary Joyner says staying cool in soaring temperatures is something every Texas farmer and rancher should think about. Summer temperatures have arrived in Texas, and in a big way. Hard work outside and high temperatures don't mix well. It's important for farmers and ranchers to know the signs of heat stress and exhaustion. Symptoms of heat illness include heavy sweating, muscle cramps, weakness, dizziness, nausea, a weak but rapid pulse, and headaches. The Texas Department of State Health Services recommends individuals with these symptoms find shade, drink water slowly, and make sure there is good ventilation. Heat stress can quickly progress to heat stroke. This is dangerous. It causes high body temperatures, confusion, brain damage, loss of consciousness, and even death. Individuals at greater risk of heat stress include those who are 65 years of age or older, are overweight, have heart disease or high blood pressure, or take medications that may be affected by extreme heat. The best defense against heat-related illness is prevention. Drink plenty of fluids, but avoid drinks with caffeine or a lot of sugar. Start drinking fluids before going out into the heat. Plan strenuous activity for early mornings or evenings when the temperature is cooler. Take frequent breaks when working outside. Wear sunscreen, hats, and light-colored, loose-fitting clothes. Be careful out there. Texas summer heat is not to be taken lightly. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Animal Health Commission is now accepting comments on proposed changes to its CWD herd certification program. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And rotococcus pneumonia in foals is a serious and potentially deadly disease. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Take the path less traveled and learn about the diversity of agriculture in the Lone Star State. It's a little education and a whole lot of fun. Texas farmers and ranchers between the ages of 18 and 35 can join the Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Fall Tour, September 9th through the 11th in Amarillo, Texas. Learn about the diversity of Texas agriculture in the Amarillo area. Develop a network with other young producers across the state. 
fellowship with one another, and make new friends. Registration is open now. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org to register. The Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Fall Tour. The registration deadline is August 4th. Reserve your spot today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Rotococcus pneumonia in foals is a serious and potentially deadly disease, but Dr. Bob Judd says treatment to prevent that disease may lead to antibiotic resistance. Dr. Nathan Slovis from Lexington, Kentucky, indicates in the horse publication that years of extensive treatment for Rotococcus equi has apparently led to a vicious cycle of resistance to antibiotics to multiple organisms found in horses. Horse owners are trying to prevent any deaths in foal due to this organism, which is understandable. However, providing blanket treatment to all at-risk foals by screening for potential disease may have led to ineffectiveness of the antibiotics used due to resistance. The class of antibiotic used to treat this organism has contributed to resistance, not only to rotococcus, but also resistance to other bacteria seen in horses. Rotococcus can lead to pneumonia, fever, intestinal disease, and death in foals younger than six months of age. Mares and foals shed the bacteria in their feces, and the bacteria can live in the soil to be picked up by other horses when grazing. The organism replicates in the intestine of foals, but not all foals get sick, and there's no vaccine to prevent this disease. About 20 years ago, it was discovered you can screen the foals with ultrasound, and any foals suspected of being infected were treated. This method worked really well, but now we're seeing resistance to the antibiotics. In one study, 75% of the rotococcus organisms were resistant to the class antibiotics used to treat the disease, and some organisms were resistant to antibiotics not even being used. This is a difficult problem because we don't want to lose any foals, but Dr. Slovis indicates we must be careful overusing antibiotics and save them for the foals that are actually sick. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Animal Health Commission is now accepting comments on proposed changes to its CWD herd certification program. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Animal Health Commission is now accepting comments on proposed changes to the state's chronic wasting disease herd certification program. The proposed changes are designed to bring the state's program into compliance with federal standards. The CWD Herd Certification Program is a voluntary program for deer and other cervid raisers. Participation in the program is required to ship deer to another state or to Mexico. One of the proposed amendments would change the time frame that a herd owner has to report deer or another CWD-susceptible animal that has escaped or disappeared to the Texas Animal Health Commission. The current requirement is that a report be made within 72 hours of the escapement. The amendment would change that requirement to immediate notification. Another proposed amendment would remove an existing exemption for lowering a herd to first-year status if an animal's test results are not detected within the first year after entry into a herd. A proposed amendment would clarify that one of the methods of identifying cervids in a herd must be an official form of identification approved by USDA. If passed, another amendment would require all identification to be visually verified on animals during an initial inspection and a physical herd inspection. Another proposed rule would clarify that a complete 
physical herd inventory is required for all operations enrolled in the CWD herd certification program during initial inspection and subsequent physical herd inspections or when there is a discrepancy during inspections. The public can comment on these proposed rules until July 17th. Details are available on the Texas Animal Health Commission's website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. All of our agricultural markets were closed on Monday because of the Juneteenth holiday, so we'll take a look back at how things wrapped up on Friday. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. All of our agricultural markets were closed on Monday because of the Juneteenth holiday, so we'll take a look back at how things wrapped up on Friday. The cattle futures market ending the week on an upswing. We finished with higher closes across the board in both live and feeder cattle futures. June live cattle up 27 cents, 138.02. The August up 27, 136.57. October up 35 at 142.42. August feeder cattle up $1.65, 172.95. September feeders up $1.57 at 174.80. October feeder cattle up $1.55, 176.52. Cash fed cattle market really took off like a rocket last week. Here in the South, we topped out at 140. That's four bucks higher compared to the previous week. Up north, we had live sales top out at 149 to 150. That's a new high for the year. Dressed sales range from 223 to 236. That's mostly four bucks higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices were mixed Friday. Choice down 90 cents at 266.26. Select up a dollar 15, 246.53. Now let's check the auction markets. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Let's get started with a look at the sale from San Saba on Thursday. Proprietor Ken Jordan, tell us how those cattle sold. A little over 2,800 head today, and we rolled through short 11 and got through with the actual sale part about uh, 9 o'clock. I thought demand was very, very good this week. Beginning on Monday, rolled right on through today. I thought the stocker steers, they sold steady today with 22 steers. One draft went 426 at 207 a pound, right at $882 on those. Had another group of really 12 good steers, weighed 565 at a buck 85. Uh, those five-weight cattle, a little over $1,045 on those. Stocker heifers were probably 2 to $3 higher. Feeder steers, we got in them, they were overall probably $5 higher, except the 550 to 670-pound-weight steers with some condition on them. They were probably selling 10 to $20 higher throughout the day. That group of seven steers weighed 680 pounds. Top selling set at uh, eighty a pound on the 680-pounders, and that dollar down a little over $1,224 on those. Feeder heifers were probably a full $3 higher, with eight heifers weighing six ninety at a buck fifty-five, a little over $1,070 on those. Packer cows were steady uh, with the top cow at 103 and bulls were probably overall $3 to $5 higher. Top bull at one twelve and a half, but overall very, very strong market on those uh, packer types, too. Pairs and bred cows overall I thought were full steady too, Larry. How about Monday sale in Mason? 
Well, we're looking for a good run. We got a big uh, one consignment of 320 off of one ranch head of Kez. There'll be heifers and steers both. Uh, there'll uh, be red Angus sire. Goes back some really, really good genetics on the red Angus side. So if you want some replacement heifers and or want some good steers to go, they'll be kind of weighing that uh, probably six to seven weight type in range. Uh, some may be a little lighter, some a little heavier. We'll group and sort those up in uniform lots, and that's one of the groups we do have coming for Monday, Larry. Tell everybody how to contact you. You bet. Give us a call, Larry. Code 325-372-5159. Talk to you Sunday night. Thank you. You bet, Larry. Thank you. And neighbor, thank you, too. I'm Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close higher on Friday. July hogs up a dollar forty-two at one eleven even. August hogs up a dollar eighty-five, one oh seven eighty-seven. Class three milk was mixed. The nearby June contract up a penny at twenty-four thirty a hundredweight. July milk down seventeen at twenty-three sixty a hundred. The cotton market closed lower Friday. A lot of factors weighing on the cotton trade right now. Additional Chinese COVID-19 lockdowns, rising interest rates, and overall weakness in the global economy weighing on the market. We finished with July cotton down 8 points Friday, 143.85. October down 99 at 125.14. December cotton down 94 at 118.29. The corn market moved lower Friday. July corn dropped three and three quarters, 784 and a half. September corn down four, 737 and three quarters. December corn down four cents at 731 a bushel. Big drop in the wheat market Friday. A couple of factors pressuring wheat lower, a big surge in the U.S. dollar, and more talk of Russia possibly allowing Ukraine grain exports. All of that pushed prices sharply lower. July Kansas City wheat down 43 and a half, ending the week at 11.05 a bushel. July Chicago wheat down 44 cents, 10.34 and a quarter. In the energy markets, July natural gas down 45 cents, 7.01. July crude oil down 7.91 at 109.68 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow down 38 points at 29,888. The Nasdaq up 152 points at 10,789. The S&P up 8, 3,674. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.